Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, River Rock. Thank you for staying steady in a season of change. And if you're a guest and you're watching or you're listening via podcast, well, thanks for joining. And we want to say welcome. I want to start off with a little bit of a story. And then I want to follow up with a question. Here's the story. Well, there's a couple ducks and a frog. And they're all the best of friends and really enjoy each other's company. They were always doing things together. But then they started to realize that the winter frost was coming. Well, the ducks, of course, could easily fly over to wherever they wanted to go and find a new pond that was, well, warmer. But how would the frog get there? Well, after a lot of conversation and discussion, the frog came up with a great idea. Let's get a long enough stick and, well, we can put the end of the stick into your mouth and we could put the other end of the stick into your bill and then I would bite down in the center and you could fly and carry me to the new pond where it's warmer. They all thought it was a great idea and they took off and it worked. They were flying and the farmer saw it. And he looks over at his wife and he says, hey, dear, look at that. What an incredible idea. I wonder who came up with that. And just then the frog says, I did. (laughs) I know some people don't get it, but remember the frog was biting down on the stick and to say, I did because of his pride. Well, he would fall to his demise. What's the word say? The word says pride comes before the fall. So here's my question. What would you do with a fresh start if you were given one? If you had a clean slate, if you could begin again, if you could get a do-over, what would you do differently? You know, sometimes because of our pride, We just decide we want to just do kind of the same thing over again and expect everybody else to change. You know what I'm saying? Well, I wonder if in this pandemic, aren't we all really getting an opportunity to get a fresh start? To be able to redo things, body, soul, and spirit in our relationship with God. Let's open up with some prayer. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. And I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, a nose to smell, the rose of Sharon, to know the presence of God is here. Father, that we would speak words that would edify and exhort. And Lord, we would have a heart that would be in synergy with the beat of the Father. Lord, help us to hear what you want us to hear in your word. And Father, we would be changed and more like Jesus the Christ because of it. Father, your will, your way, in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen. I remember as kids, we used to play ball out in the the neighborhood street. 
And, you know, whenever the ball would fall into somebody's backyard or, or it would fall in a place where it was kind of like off bounds, out of bounds, you would hear all the kids yell out, do over. You know what I'm talking about. You probably yelled it out yourself once or twice. It meant that you got to begin all over, a fresh start. You know, I wonder if we all don't need do-overs. I look back at my own life, and I'm telling you, there are places in my life that I wish I could scream and yell out, do-over. I, I need an opportunity to do that all over again. But the reality is, is I don't get to do it over again, and neither do you. But for whatever reason, because of this pandemic, here's one of the most beautiful parts of it. We're all forced to shelter at home. We're all forced to reevaluate things. We have more time now to just think than we typically have had in the past. We have an opportunity to recalibrate, to reset ourselves, body, soul, and spirit. We get a spiritual do-over. But with this pandemic, what happens when we get to the other side of it? Are we all just going to want to go back to the way it was before? Or are we going to be changed, transformed because of the pandemic? Well, the Bible speaks a lot about do-overs, especially even in the first book of the Bible called Genesis. And it begins to speak about what happens if my heart and my mind are not in unity with God and I begin a do-over. You know what happens? If I'm not connected with God, mind and heart, I go right back to the way I was once before. So it's really nothing more than the definition of insanity. I'm spiritually doing the same thing over and over again, expecting God to behave differently. Kind of insane, isn't it? If I need change, then Marvin really needs to change. Now let's take a look at the beginning book of the Bible, Genesis. We find in Genesis chapter 1, it's there that we see the beginning of everything. That's when God created everything. And in that, he created Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3, we see the, the deceptive nature of sin, the consequences of sin. And even though Adam and Eve had blew it, God even, because of his grace and mercy, covered their shameful nakedness in, with skins and gave them a do-over outside his presence, which would have overwhelmed them body, soul, and spirit. Then we move over to Genesis 6 through 9. And here we find the great flood. And it's an amazing thing because the generation of Noah, they, they have come to the epitome of wickedness. It's here in this wickedness state that they literally, every thought, every imagination, everything they were about was about evil. And God said it was time to remove them, to wipe them out because of the wickedness of their heart. But because of his grace, because of his mercy, he keeps Noah, his three sons, and their families, 
and it keeps all the animals within this ark. They had to shelter at home in an ark with all the smells of the animals. Wow. But what did they do with their clean slate? When they got to the other end of the flood, what did they do? They were given a couple of things. They were given a blessing and then they were given, well, a command. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But let's look here. Now we're about 90, 90 years out. We're about three or four generations out. And this generation, well, they know about Grandpa Noah. They know all about all the stories and the flood and the ark. They can see the ark. And yet, this is where we pick up. We, isn't it interesting? The generation of Noah wanted to be their own God, just like Adam and Eve. And now we're picking up another generation in Genesis chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now the whole earth used the same language and same words. There was a universal language, only one language. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used bricks for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. A name? Make for ourselves? Wow. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Five. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the Son of Men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. And they have, they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down. Let us. Do you not hear the, the verb is for Trinity? Come, let us go down. And there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from their from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Nine. Therefore, its, its name was called Babel, because there, there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. See, God's judgment on the Tower of Babel, that project, resulted in one of the greatest failures in mankind. Thousands of workers were now useless because none of them could communicate with one another. They were now divided because of, of, of language, linguistics. They were able to communicate, I want the hammer. I, I need you to cut this or to solve this. I need more bricks here. None of that could happen. I find it interesting to say the least and how easy it is for mankind to revert back to old ways, even after a global event like the flood that impacted the whole world. And I wonder why we 
why we will choose to revert back to our old ways, even like in this pandemic. You see, here, this is a generation that knew about the flood. And yet, what were they doing? They were wanting to be their own God. They were wanting to build a tower. It's called a ziggurat. And there they wanted to be able to reach into the heavens. And in the top part is the pinnacle. At that peak, well, they refer to that as, as heaven. That's the heaven part. And maybe as we study these builders of this tower and where they went wrong, we can learn something. Just like they, they knew about a world event that had impacted the globe and they refused to listen from Noah and their grandfathers and everybody else and they wanted to be like Adam and Eve and we want to be our own God. And here they are reverting back. Folks, we cannot revert back and expect God to be able to bless us. What can we learn from those who did it wrong? So let's study and let's look at this. And here it is in our notes. Some things to know about the builders of the Tower of Babel. Number one, it was pride that brought down the tower before it even got up. <laughs> This was not an innocent, scientific, naive, primitive effort to reach the highest heaven. By the way, Paul tells us that there's actually three heavens. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, he says, I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. The three heavens are this. One, the first heaven is where we call it our sky, where the birds fly. That's called a heaven. The cosmos, where the planets and stars, that's called a heaven. And the third one is where the Lord dwells. That's called the third heaven. Well, this was not an innocent, scientifically naive, a primitive effort to build this structure. It was instead an exceptional but rebellious effort to reject God forever. I want us to catch that. I wonder how many times in our own lives we're rejecting God. We want just enough of God to make us feel good or, or provide for us, and then we're going right back to our old ways. We have to be careful. The same God who had preserved and protected and provided a do-over for Noah, his three sons, and, and all of the family, this was their God that they had grown up with. And this is what God had said here. In, in, as we go backwards from Genesis 11, we're going back a couple chapters. And this is what it says in verse 1, chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, it is powerful to see. Before God gave a command, he, knowing that they had been sheltered in home, in, a, in an ark, for a very long time, and the first thing he does is because of all the obedience for the many years of faithfully being mocked and ridiculed, 
He builds an ark when it never rained. And God blesses Noah. God blesses his sons who were actively helping Noah. He blesses them before he commands them. Do you see the heart of the father here? So now let's, let's get back to the descendants of Noah, the three or four generations out after him. And they chose to rebel against serving God. They chose instead to say, we will not honor God's name. We will not honor his character, his nature, or obey his commands. They knew they were supposed to go throughout the, the world and fill it and occupy it. So we pick up on verse 4, and here the heart of the people who built, were trying to build this tower. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city for ourselves and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us, let us, make for ourselves a name. I want to be famous. I want to be remembered forever and ever. I'll guarantee you, nobody knows one person who swung a hammer and made bricks in the Tower of Babel. They're not remembered. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad. Well, that was part of the whole idea that God said, right? He said what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. They were in open rebellion to what God was asking of them. The entire project simply reeked of the stench of arrogance and pride. It reads with the stench of, of a disdain for Jehovah, the one who actually had rescued them from the great flood. They didn't care. They were reverting back to the generation of Noah. They were reverting back to the lie that was perpetrated on Adam and on Eve. I don't want that for us. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for us as a church. I don't want that for me. If we do not intentionally determine that we will not be how we used to be, then this was all for naught. We, we break the heart of the Father. Satan was almost successful in completing and completely dominating mankind, but once again. But great is our God in grace and in mercy. The Bible warns us about a rebellious heart and because of pride. In Proverbs 16, King Solomon writes on verse 18, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Here's number two. It was their faith in materialism that made them believe that they could build a great name for themselves. I mean, literally materialism. 
in Genesis 11:3, they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they use brick for stone. Well, isn't Jesus referred to as the chief cornerstone, not the chief brick? <laughs> they believed in their building materials to make them into something great. Just like we can believe in our nation's economy, our personal wealth, our personal talent, our personal physiques or good looks or anything else. And we are doing nothing more. When we are involved in materialism, we are involved in idol worship. And God says, first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me, no other idols. Materialism. It's a ploy of the enemy. Don't ever rely on something else except God for your personal identity, for your true name is in him. Let's look at three. It was God's response to the Tower of Babel's project that is astonishing. Here in verses six through eight, the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. I don't know about you, but every time I've read that scripture, I'm like, Lord, what's wrong with this? I mean, if they wanted to build hospitals or they want to create technology. I mean, think of all the great things they could do because they're in unity. And God says, Marv, you're coming at it from a self-righteous point of view. And I'm like, Whoa, what do we know about mankind's history from this point? We know that Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. We know that every thought of the generation of Noah was always wicked and evil. Every thought. And here the Tower of Babel is reverting back to the same mentality of those previous generations. He's not afraid they're going to do good. He's afraid they're going to be wicked. And so he says, out of my great grace and out of my great mercy, I will confound and confuse their language and they will not be able to communicate those wickedness and the evil that is in the tent of their hearts. Wow. Verse seven, come, let us go down. And there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad and there over the face of the whole were earth and they stopped building the city. The story goes to show us that sometimes God may choose to destroy something in my life that I am building out of a prideful rebellion so that he, in turn, can actually build that which is righteous and, and, and eternal for him and his kingdom and for my good. Sometimes when God takes away something, it's actually a good thing. You know, number four says, the one of Shem's descendants. Now, Shem is one of the sons of Noah, and about three, four generations out from Shem is one of his great-great-great-grandsons uh, by the name of Peleg. So one of Shem's descendants was Peleg, was a living witness to the earth being divided linguistically. So 
In Genesis chapter 10, this is the chapter before the Tower of Babel, verse 25, Eber had two sons. That's Peleg's dad. The first was named Peleg, which means division. Isn't that interesting? For during his lifetime, the people of the world were divided into different language groups. You see, the entire, the entire context of Genesis chapter 10 is that it makes it clear that there's division. There's division over here at the sea. There's division there. There's division here. In Genesis uh, 10 verse 5 verse 20 verse 31, you find according to their languages, it wasn't their lands. It was the languages that divided them. This is really important. I want us to understand the linguistic division of mankind described in 10 anticipates that there's more detail coming in chapter 11. Just like in Genesis chapter 1, there was this talk about the creation of man. But it anticipates the great detail of the creation of man in chapter 2. So let me go fast forward now. Just 10 days after Jesus ascends to heaven, his death, his burial, his resurrection, now he's ascending to heaven in front of the disciples. And all of a sudden, we, we just saw this incredible linguistic miracle that everybody who spoke only one language now can't communicate. They, they go from being united to divided. And here, it's in Acts chapter 2 that we find that Babylon is happening. The Tower of Babylon is happening in reverse. So it reads, Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. There are literally at least 12 different languages represented here. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them were hearing them speak in their own language. The, the term is called glossolalela, speaking in other languages, in other tongues. Do you not see the correlation? That because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his blood that was shed on the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit had literally reversed and transformed what had originally happened at the Tower of Babel. And, and whether it was in the garden with Adam and Eve, whether it was the generation with Noah, whether it was the people who built the tower, God had now fulfilled what needed to happen with the Lamb of God through Jesus Christ. And now man was united in one language, and they all could understand. They were transformed. The power of the Holy Spirit. Here, here was the opposite of Peleg, a world of division. He was an eyewitness to that. And now all of the disciples the apostles were all witnesses and everybody in Jerusalem were witnesses to the unity of the body of Christ. Church, I pray 
that we would be so united, that we would speak one gospel. We would speak because of one God. And we would see lives transformed because of what God is doing in us and through us in this pandemic. But if we don't stop to ask an obvious question, what will you do if you get a fresh start? If you were to get a do-over spiritually, if you were to do it all over again, what would you do differently? Well, in essence, that's exactly what's about to come in the near future. Maybe weeks, maybe a month, I don't know. But right now, are you making those changes to be lifelong changes? Or are you just holding out in the bunker waiting for somebody to say, it's all done, you can come out now. Church, Jesus died on the cross so that we can be united, not divided. And we wouldn't have to be held to the curse of the garden or held to the curse of Noah's generation or held to the curse of the builders of the Tower of Babel. We could be about building the kingdom of God and the cause of Christ. But if we don't make those changes and order our private life now, we will be destined to go back to the Tower of Babel, back to the generation of Noah, and back to the garden. Well, I pray you and I would take great advantage of this for kingdom's sake. Well, let's pray. Father God, I just lift up and pray for your people. Father, whoever is watching this, whether they're listening by a podcast or they're watching on a device or on a, on a TV, God, I just pray you would come and you would speak life into them. Father, that we would not look at this time as just an opportunity to hide in the bunker and wait till we can come out again. But Lord, we would look at this as an opportunity, Father, to experience a metamorpho, a transformation that would cause us to become all the men and women that you have called us to be authentic Bible believers. Father, I pray for each and every person. God, I pray that you would bless them body, soul, and spirit. I pray, Father, that you would bless their marriages. I pray you would bless their families. I pray you bless their jobs and bless their families. I pray you bless, Father, their, their physical bodies. If there's needs, I pray miracles there in the name of Jesus. I pray for their, Father, as they're praying for those they love or either walked away or just don't know Jesus. Oh, Father, I pray. I pray for those lost souls in the name of Jesus. Oh God, what an opportunity in this pandemic to be all that you've called us to be. Father, that we would order our private world with the word of God, that we would ask for forgiveness. And Father, that we would seek 
to be more like Christ. Father, bless your church. Father, I pray for the third great awakening that we would see signs and wonders. Father, deliverance and healings that we would know that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. And all of these great things would take place and you would get all the praise and all the glory. Oh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Father, your will, your way, your time. In the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.